Hello, podcast listeners. This is Jared Pickney, and I'm so excited about today's episode with Kevin Gill. While I was a student in the Paragold School District, Coach Gill led the Lady Rams to a state championship. He also worked as an athletic director and principal at the high school and Ram Academy. I personally looked up to Coach Gill as a teenager, and so this is a bucket list conversation for me. During our time together, we cover everything from coaching, travel sports, parenting, the importance of relationships, faith, and so much more. With that, Here's today's episode with Kevin Gill. So, all right, 92, you started at Paragol, is that right? Right, That's I came over in the summer of 92. So I was probably around 10, 9 or 10, whenever you started working there. You were a coach all the way through my 7th through 12th grade years. And um, that's all I knew you as. But you went on to administration and did some of the things. Before we get into any of that, Tell me kind of where you came from, because I, I know kind of your path once I got there, but I don't know, how, how did you end up in Paragol? You're not from here originally, right? right. I, I grew up in West Memphis, Arkansas, uh, went to school at Marion. Part of uh, West Memphis goes to uh, Marion schools. The way the school lines are around here, you know, they're all crazy. Uh, same way there, uh, the uh, northern edge, uh, well, basically the north west corner of west memphis there there's a housing development and uh, you go to marion and i walked across the street to a marion elementary school uh through fourth grade and then uh, when i was about to enter fifth grade we integrated schools that's how old i am <laughs> and uh we uh, 1969 70 we uh, integrated schools. so i was bused to sunset arkansas the next that year uh in on the far side of marion uh, because we integrated with Felix schools there, Marion schools and Felix. And so I went through that, and that was interesting, that, that uh, uh, situation. Uh, integration is was a, you know, was a big thing at that time. Mm. And uh, graduated from Marion, uh, went to UCA a couple of years, transferred, went to Memphis State. Uh, How did you end up at UCA? I, it was cheap. Okay. I didn't have much money. And uh, it was Back then, it was $260 a semester for all the classes you wanted wow. to take. Wow. Did and you know when you went there that you were going into education? Uh, no, not really. I, 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 I always liked, I love sports. I grew up, you know, playing sports, and that was, my, you know, what I, everything. Were you playing everything around. or mainly just yeah. basketball? Oh, uh, yeah, played a little bit of everything. Uh, football mainly. Basket, I was really? not very good at basketball, actually. Football was more your sport. Well, yeah, I mean, there's more positions. There's more opportunities. Yeah, yeah. What and, positions do you play? Uh, defensive back and, okay. and a little running back, yeah. uh, backup, you know, yeah. running back. And because uh, we had a lot of great – I was, you know, lucky to play with a lot of great athletes. And uh, just one guy who uh, played uh, a year with the Raiders and got a Super Bowl ring. Wow. Know, so we had a lot of very good athletes. And uh, But I was just trying to do my part, Yeah. And, uh, you know, know my role and – and do that. <laughs> so when you go to college, what were you thinking you were going to do? Well, I thought about, for some reason, maybe broadcasting or yeah. whatever. But being young and green and not having first first person in my family to go to college and all that, I didn't know. Did, I didn't do research or doing Back then, you couldn't hardly do research. Yeah, you were you going to go to the library and read an article? And, uh, but uh, UCA's radio and uh, broadcasting program was very small, very thing. You know, if I'd have been, you know, done my research, I'd have gone to ASU. They, you know, in finding it, looking back later mm -hmm. years, I, I found later on, I found out that, you know, ASU did have an excellent, you know, mm -hmm. broadcasting journalism school mm -hmm. or, or broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but so I got there, 
didn't really think that was where I wanted to go. Then, you know, my mom had always advised me, you know, don't, don't go into teaching. Don't go. There's no money. And at that time there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I tried, looked at business for a little bit. Oh, boring. You know, yes. I just, <laughs> oh, just boring. And I was, um, so I was like, I want to be a coach. I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm gonna be a PE major and do yeah. that. You know? So I started that track and, uh, then when I transferred to, I worked, I laid out, actually laid out and worked a year cause my, I didn't have any money. My car was broke down, broken down, and uh, you're just paying so, your own way so, through college. Well, but my parents were trying to help me some, but you know they worked in the factory, and yeah. And, and back then, uh, you shouldn't have a ton of money. Back, yeah, back then, uh, you know, for long, my mom worked in the factory for a long time for a dollar sixty an hour, you know, and so there, there wasn't a lot of extra money. You know, and they helped me, but uh, I was working my way through school yeah. too, basically. And went to Memphis State and, and worked uh, about 30 hours a week and went finished up school. And uh, by coincidence, uh, the spring that I was graduating, uh, Green County Tech was playing in the district baseball tournament at Marion. And my dad and I were umpiring. Mm. We did that for extra money. Mm-hmm. And Larry Mitchell and my dad got to talking. Coach Mitchell has been at Tech, Larry Mitchell, who's the legend out there. Who's been was there he the baseball coach at that years. point? He was an assistant baseball coach for Larry Elmore at that time. Evan yeah, Elmore's dad. Yeah, yeah. Graduated yeah. with Evan. Right. And uh, they ended up being state runner-up that year to Pine Bluff, I believe. Uh, but he was talking to my father between innings and told him that they were going to have some coaching, coaching opens, openings at Tech and gave me the number to call. And, and baseball or what? Uh, well, a little bit of everything, cause, uh, but I ended up coaching football, basketball, and track. Wow, and, what year? Uh, that was summer of 84 that I got hired at Tech. Summer of 84. Do you remember what your salary was that first year? Uh, with coaching and everything was sixteen five. And uh, Of course, I was at 11. Gene Weeks and I got hired together. We shared, really? a, we shared an apartment that first year until he really? got married. Where at? Uh, over by the Daily Press, of kind of those two story ones. Yeah, yeah, they're still one, there. One street, yeah, they're one street. Man, over. I can't believe they don't have a sign of you two up there. Yeah, right. If I buy those things, that's the first yeah. thing I'm doing. Yeah, the original home. Mm, they'll, they'll condemn it the next week. You and Gene Weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So y'all were y'all were living together in an apartment, and you're coaching. You said football. Baseball, basketball, and then I coached baseball my first year, and then but then after that I switched over to track. So how many hours a week were you working? Uh, uh, Gene and I, we can tell stories. Uh, you know, we were doing laundry, we were repairing equipment. Uh, the, the football program at that time was not funded very well. You know, the equipment was old. Sure, and they had only had started the program in '73, and uh, we got there and we're we're trying to you know help and. We were probably putting in 70, 75 hours a week, wow. you know. Yeah, you average that out per what you were making in oh, an hour, yeah, and you're like, Mom was right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm not making any money. Yeah, and, and back then, that we didn't even get paid for the three extra weeks in August. That was kind of just part of our coaching supplement. You know, they, we got, well, we got 15,000 15, for teaching, and then we made 1,500 for the year for coaching. Wow. So, uh, you know, wow. when you average that up, uh, we, we lost money by you were losing money. gas and uh, incidental expenses. You and know, so but, how, how old were you when you landed that job? I was 24. 24. Yeah, uh, did, was, you, did you uh, did you regret it that first year or did you love it? Oh, loved it. Uh, they were paying us to coach. You know, we were get, getting to be around athletics. And, and Gene and I, you know, like I said, we, you know, we just 
enjoyed it. We had a great group of young coaches those first several years at Green County Tech, too. That that, that was a big part of the camaraderie. You know, Bruce Hunt, Michael Todd, Gene Weeks, Todd Lovell. Uh, and Some guys who really went the distance yeah, and right. did really and, well. And we were all uh, same age when we got hired. And so that, that helped a lot, you know. How has coaching, do you feel like, changed uh, now compared to back then? Much harder. Uh, Much know, harder on so the coaches or the? On, on the? Well, on the coaches. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah let me explain that. Uh, well, with social media has ramped that up times 10. Uh, In what way do you think? Well, just everybody's a critic. Everybody yes. has an opinion. Uh, that that started to evolve in the late seventies, early eighties, even uh, somewhat when uh, Al McGuire, Billy Packer, uh, Dick Vitale, uh, all those guys started becoming part of the show in in athletics. Before then, the announcers just did the job, described the game, and they became critics of other coaches. Ah. They he should have had a timeout right there. Oh, they needed to. They didn't switch this. They didn't do a good job. You mean this. that wasn't happening originally and, in broadcast? You know, oh no. And and people started hearing all these little snippets of and now about what an coaches should be doing. He should have had, you know, wow. he should have done this. Uh, they they never changed the pace of the game or blah blah blah. You know, and everybody started kind of envision. Well, okay, these coaches are really not doing everything they need to do, and uh, and it just seemed to go. On I and never on. thought and, about and that. Coaches huh? were kind of open game after that. And then, Was that true pretty much all the way through your? career well, or did it get worse as you oh, it, it got a lot worse because a lot of times people didn't have a voice that too much but but social media gave everybody a platform yep. to throw things out there uh, whether it was by innuendo and people you know figure out what they're talking about or sometimes just blatantly calling people out and that's why you see like golly i'd hate to be a college football coach now you know i know oh they're making gosh. big money but with all the changes that come across there in the and you see on those uh, websites or uh, Facebook pages or different things where oh yeah know, people are just to be a public figure in general. We're talking to Trey Stafford. He he's on the episode right before this one, and, and um, we're just talking about to be a public figure in general, not just in sports, but any um, arena. You're opening yourself up for some major criticism. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you, you are, and so everyone's an armchair quarterback now. They can be right. And like you said, their voice can be heard. Used to, it's like before social media, which is when you got into it, maybe the, the criticism's already beginning, but it's like, if I was critical of you and it's just me and Chris, how far is that going to get? Exactly. There's nothing I can do. I'm going to call the daily press and be like, hey, can I talk about Coach Gill for a second? They're like, no. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. like, where's it going to go? Right. It's going to be done right here. But now it's like, it's, let me just get on here real fast. Because uh, sports, uh, sports writers in general, they – uh, you know, they would be critical at times, the Wally Halls and things like that. But, but local newspaper coverage here in Paragol, they're, you know, they're you. not going to do that. That's right. Know, uh, we, we, Mike McKinney and Richard Brummett worked at the Daily for a long time. Brad yeah. Bobo at the Tribune. These guys are stuff. great. We had a great crew of guys who really did a great job. Our, our kids were so fortunate for many, many years to get a ton of coverage almost daily uh, that, you know, when their athletic events were held – you know, a lot of times there were pictures, there were stories, and uh, those old uh, press clipping stuff are treasures for people, you know, a lot of times. Absolutely. And, uh, so mm-hmm. we were, you know, I hate that the way things have evolved. But, I know, you man. Know, and, and we don't have the same type of situation. But, uh, you know, there are some, some websites, and or what's the word I'm hunting for here, uh, some online yeah. uh, sports 
things in Northeast Arkansas now that are starting to pick up and cover athletes, so that helps. Yeah, that's good. So how did you get to Paragould? You're there. How long were you at Tech? You're there. I was at, I, I was at Tech uh, eight years. Okay. And I was, uh, uh, you know, like I said, helping in football, assistant girls for, for all the sports for Coach Cunningham. Uh, for eight years, you know, learned a lot okay, there. Okay, so you were Had assistant some there. Art, yeah. some, a lot of great teams there, a lot of great players, uh, great experience. And and then in track, we, you know, had a lot of great kids. Uh, we didn't have a track when uh, Gene and I first got there, but eventually we were able to uh, build a track and start a track program. And that was a lot of fun because I'm a big-time track buff. Yes, you are. And uh, yeah, You're involved so, with, I think, even the Razorbacks, right? Somewhat, and, yes. Yeah. I, and uh, I'm a – been a starter, for, yeah. which is another whole story. But uh, for I've been a starter for now for almost thirty years, I guess, and uh, uh, doing college meets. Uh, but uh, and I got the opportunity. Uh, Jerry Noble uh, was going to get, decided to get into administration, and Jerry Noble they, was. He, oh, I'm sorry. Jerry Noble was the head girls basketball coach at, at Ridgecrest at that okay. time. It was Ridgecrest, and he um, had done a great job, had some really good teams. Uh, uh, you know, Dana Holston. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Had, 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 yes. They'd been a state runner-up. And then he had some other teams that had gone to the Final Four, five, Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at home one night and uh, get a phone call about 9 o'clock from John Shoemaker, who was the high school principal mm-hmm. at Paragool, and said, uh, it was kind of a crazy deal. He said, uh, Kevin, this is John Shoemaker. We're up at the school board meeting, and uh, Jerry Noble's decided to get an administration and we were wondering if you'd like to be our new uh, girls basketball coach. Really? You had, had you applied for it at that point? I didn't know it was, it hadn't been open. Uh, and I said, they're in the meeting and they call you. This is the way it went wow. down. And I said, I knew what they had and I was ready to be a, a head yes. coach. And I was, you know, and, uh, I was like, yes, you sure. I sure would. And he said, all right, bud. He said, we'll be talking to you later. Uh, welcome aboard. <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. And I hang up the phone. Have you ever heard anything like that since then? No. That's and, crazy. And I hang up the phone, and my wife, Jill, says, who was that? I said, well, John Shoemaker. And she said, what do you want? I said, well, apparently I'm the new head girls basketball coach at Ridgecrest. <laughs> and she's like, you have got to be kidding. I'm like, no. And the next morning, it's in the Daily Press. And what? Yeah, so I did that have, fast. Yeah, that fast, and it's and it's kind of bad though because you probably didn't have a chance I, to call some of the people, right? right. I, yeah. I mean, and back then, you, you it was summertime, and you know, uh, I, I was you know I had a lot of those girls I'd coached since seventh grade and things ah. like that, and you couldn't really, and then all of a sudden the words out that I'm at Ridgecrest, you know, and and we, you can't do and, just a mass so, text everybody so, can. Yeah, I can't say I, you know mass text or hey yeah. everybody do this or whatever. It's, times were so different, you know, and uh, so. Uh, that way, I didn't like the way that evolved. I yeah. did like being getting get, sure. getting the job, and then of course came to Paragool uh, or Ridgecrest. You know, at the yep. time it was Ridgecrest for ten years. Yes, yes, yes. And then changed back to Paragool because yep. we had no name place recognition everywhere we went. The people Where's got Ridgecrest? Us, got us confused with Rivercrest yep. and other things. You know, so it was for the best uh, there. And then of course you go to Paragool and and uh, what year did you say you got hired at Paragool? <clears throat> at uh, summer of ninety uh, two. And so they've got a great group of girls, and it's a lot of and a lot of great kids, and uh, sort of go there, and uh, you know, a lot of you know some of the best kids you'd ever want to meet. You know, got to coach them, and uh, 
Oak Grove and Paragool had just combined junior highs. They'd consolidated, mm-hmm. you know, uh, schools uh, about s- five years before that. Uh, but now the junior highs were all on the same campus for the first time ever. Before then, we'd had uh, separate junior highs. And so there was a lot of changes, a lot of things going on. What was the biggest difference between Paragold and Tech then? Like, you know, now, was there a difference culturally? Like every school feels a little bit, were they, were they very similar? No, very similar. Got a lot of great kids. We're, we're blessed in Greene County. We, we've yeah. got a lot of great families, got a lot of great people, a lot of great kids. So you went there in 92 and you won the state championship win. What year did you win? 94. Our, my first year at, at Ridgecrest, we played Tech in the state finals. And Jeez, so you had a great team that first year. And they beat us in the finals. And then the next year, we beat them in the finals. So wow. In 93? 93, they were state champions. In 94, we were state champions. Who did they have? Do you remember? It was oh, yeah, they had a lot of good players. I, I hate to start naming because you're going to forget. forget yeah. But, you know, Jennifer Woods uh, was, uh, you know, one of their leading one scores. One of their leading scores, yeah. They, they had Autumn Ursery. They had uh, Misty Holcomb. They had, um, oh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, Summerfield oh, yeah. uh, was there. Uh, and uh, Misty uh, Barnes, Misty uh, <laughs> Misty Drope yeah. now. Uh, you know, that's the thing about with girls. Uh, they change their yeah. names. <laughs> that's so, right. And so I, I was calling some of them they by, go by maiden, the maiden name. Maiden yeah. name. And, uh, and Paragold's big and, name was Mandy Cox, yeah, right? right? Well, we had Kathy Britt was our senior, main senior that played, and she went on to play at Williams Baptist. Okay. Then, she was a really good player for us, about 6'1", shot blocker. Jeez. Uh, and, uh, we, uh, and then we had a, a good group of juniors under them. We had several juniors, uh, you know, Mandy, Mandy Cox, Blue. And, uh, Did you already know about her, I guess, before you oh, went to Ridgecrest? Oh, well, yeah, because I, you know, we've been them. playing yeah. them, playing them for years. Yeah. So I knew all the kids. I knew, yep, what okay, the, you know, Gretchen Ford, yep. uh, and uh, Jenna Cunningham, and Daniel Williams, Amy Gaston, Crystal Bailey, Jamie Freeman, Jamie uh, Smalling Freeman. That, yep. You know, uh, like I said, I'll butcher all these names because uh, girls switch up on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Jamie Smith, uh, Tanya. Uh, Clifford Benefield, uh, so just a, you know, we had a lot of kids. We were really deep, uh, very fortunate. You know, as a coach, uh, you know, you have you can fortunate to have good teams, but when you have a good teams that are really deep, and that just that helps. It, uh, that's a great luxury. And so, did uh, did you take whatever you had learned from Cunningham, like whatever offense you're running, all that? Like, did you just take that and put it at Paragold, or did you sure, change things up? Sure, you know you. All you know is all you know yep. uh, when you're doing things. And back then, we didn't have access to online videos. Now, you know, coaches, that's a luxury they do have with the Internet and stuff. You know, they have so much access to information. And back then, if you didn't go to a clinic or buy some book, you didn't know it. And so, I, of course, I took a lot of stuff from Ted. And then when I got to Ridgecrest, Coach Noble was more than nice. He, you know, he showed me what all they had done. Showed, you, know, I, you know, I kept a lot of the stuff he did. And, uh, you know, it was basic. And back then, it wasn't – the game wasn't as complicated as it is now. It's uh, – all the sports are, are more and more complicated, you know. Why is that? Uh, well, coaches have so access to so much information. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we can all, even back then, be guilty of overcoaching. But you uh, have your, all this information you have at your fingertips, and then you, the offenses have advanced – 
over time, and like football, I, I would hate to be a defensive coordinator against all these offenses that they have mm-hmm. now. They're so complicated and intricate, you know. Uh, so the times have changed, and, and uh, you know, the things are harder to, you know, uh, defend uh, offenses, yeah. whether it's basketball or football or whatever. Uh, the, the players and the athletes are, are, are better. They're, you know, faster, stronger at times, have yeah. access to better nutrition, type of things oh it's so different now with travel too yeah oh yeah and they, well uh, don't get me started on all no that. i want to get you started on that i'm curious of, what your thoughts of, are on well, it. athletes you know the travel ball and stuff yes. yeah it's just too much a lot of yeah. times uh, you know it what i've always said and i you know it's my opinion um may be wrong you know um but if you're a good athlete People are going to find you if you're good, and they because now get some exposure, do some things. But uh, when my daughters were coming up, I always tried to be involved a little bit in their AU type ball because we weren't going to travel all over the country and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Didn't have it to spend, and I, you know, too much. It was too much. I felt, and so we'd go to five or six AU tournaments in the spring, summer, and that was it. Why do you think it's gotten so big? Well, uh, a lot of these people don't realize a lot of times, too, all these uh, scouting, they call themselves college uh, scouting operations or whatever they call themselves or putting on all these tournaments and all these, it's all about money. These people are making tons of money, you know. The people who are hosting these tournaments? Yeah, I could get up a team of 10 girls and that are, could not play a lick, terrible. And we could get in some national and regional tournaments it, because if you got the entry fee, they'll take you. Wow. And so people get misled. They get the, their del- delusion. They, you know, they get uh, people purposely, you know. But they're able uh, to misguided. charge that because people are paying it, right? Yeah, so well, why are people paying it? Like, why are parents doing that? everybody thinks their young son or daughter is going to be a college player, and it's all going to be worth it when they get that scholarship and pay for it, you know, pay for their college. And and where does that – Where does I mean, just keep tracing that back because that's what I hear a lot. Yeah. Is everyone thinks their kid – I hear that from a lot of coaches. Yeah. Everyone thinks their kid's going to be, you know, D1. <clears throat> where, did, where does that come from? Like, do you think you have that – Chris and I talked about this a little bit. It seems like travel sports, because I have a few friends that live in bigger cities, it doesn't seem like it's as big there as it is in some of the smaller cities. Is it fair to say that there are people, some people, if, if you're born and raised in a small town like Paragould, you don't get outside of Paragould a whole lot, and you just don't realize the difference between you know little Bobby over here who can go three for four at Bland Park and a D1 baseball player or basketball player or whatever. Well, part of it is I thought people don't really understand how good you have to be to be a college athlete. They they don't they don't understand. They just think, well, he's pretty good. He scored fifteen yeah. his, uh, on his little seventh grade team, and you know he did this. And they don't understand. If, some people, if you got a kid that's younger kid right now and uh, junior high or below, probably even or senior, high, I guess, go over to Williams Baptist and watch a game. Those guys can play. Just even over here at Williams. At Williams Baptist or uh, Crowley's Ridge College here in town. I'm sorry. I didn't, I should have mentioned them first. Those, those cats can play. But at that level, they're usually just a little half a step slower Uh or a little bit shorter. Three or four inches shorter. 
and those, those type situations, those type things. Yes. And every level, they're a little quicker, yeah. a little faster, you know, a little, a little better, you know, it, whatever the case may be. Because, you know, to play Division One college, you've got to be some type of freak or ultra special at something, shooting, or, you know, you have some kind of skill level that is beyond other people. And most people don't understand that. And what they do a lot of times is burn kids out. That's what I was about to time. ask you. Is that what is that the danger of all of that's this? That's one of them. That's that's one of them. But the parents too. I understand they have the, they're compelled to feel like I've got to do everything for my kid. I don't want it to be my fault that I did. He didn't reach his potential. Yeah. So it's yeah. not all like misget. You know, they're not doing it for ill gains sure. or, or for whatever. Sure. They, you know, they're trying to do as a parent. Make the best decisions you mm-hmm. can for your kid. Uh, you just now make sure that you're making them for your kid and not for yourself and trying to live your life through your kid. But you make the best decisions you can and uh, hope they turn out right. And if you make them for the honest, good intent reasons, you know, for, you know, you, you know you, that's fine. But just step back and look. You know, if they're not, if they're dominating their age group, put them again. And move them up and, and yeah. level and let them play against kids that are, you know, just to dominate their age level in the Green County Boys Club. You know, that's 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 not what their <laughs> ticket to the to yeah, college, yeah. you know. So anyway, just uh, a lot of people get their hopes up and then they do sink too much money and people are ste- basically stealing from a lot of parents all over. And parents in smaller areas, they feel like, well, I've got to get them more exposure you know, where a lot of times people like you talked about around the big city and things like their face, they're getting a lot of exposure and they're getting a lot of competition. Yes. You know, it's good to go get some of that and yep. get some good competition. But, you know, when athletes are end up playing basically uh, J.O. or A.U. type ball or, tri- or travel ball in almost every sport, I mean, they're, they're d- diminishing what they're giving to their school program i think the school program comes first those those coaches are in it because that was that's their career that's what and and i feel like 99 percent of coaches out there they're out for the best interest of the kids they're trying to win as much as possible but a lot of times you know they they're whatever hand they're dealt that's what they've got Mm -hmm. you know in high school level and they're they're looking out for your kid they want to win and they're going to try to put the kids out there that they feel like can help them win who who have earned that opportunity yes. to be out there because we're not in practice we don't know about practice habits attitude all those type things but uh those coaches but now au type coaches i'm not trying to knock them but some of them uh they haven't been trained to be a oh, coach. sure there i can out go there. out and they're, do it if i wanted yeah, to right right anybody can do it and sometimes they're they're trying to get a little collection of all-stars and mm-hmm. they're not really teaching the game they're just they're just playing. They're just getting out there and running and gunning and getting up and down the floor. And then when the kid gets back to their high school coach and their high school coach makes them play defense, makes them execute things properly, uh, has a little more discipline and responsibility expectations, uh, the kids all of a sudden it's like, well, this is not as fun as AU or travel ball or whatever yeah. the case may be, you know. And so, Do you think you would be able to coach today? Like you did whenever you got started, like would you have to completely change your philosophy or how you approach? Like the reason I ask that is because so my wife's in education. Yeah, she's a ninth grade English teacher. She's over at Tech, and you know I've talked with administration there, coaches over there that have been in this for a while, and they talk about even the difference 
as far as the parents' attitude towards the kid. And so I, I remember this, and maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but it seems like there was a day, even coach, whenever I was in school in the, in the 90s, where if I got in trouble from you, no questions asked, I'm in trouble at home. No questions asked. It's not. There's no even chance of. Well, let's hear your perspective, Jared. And if and if if I like your story better, I'll be sure and go let Coach Gill know I'm unhappy with him. That seems to have changed. Uh, but do you do you see that? Like, do you hear that? Like, and and by the way, you retired how long ago? Uh, I've been I've been retired for a year and a half. Okay, so you've been in. Okay, so you've not been out that long then. Did you see that change over your life, or has that been blown sure, out of proportion? Sure, to some degree, uh, to some degree, it did change and. Um, parents, um, parenting skills are not, are not what they used to be, I think. And, uh, it's, some of that goes back to keeping up with the Joneses, uh, trying to, uh, trying too hard to be a good parent without really learning how to be a, a good parent. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of different factors that can go into that, but, uh, my best advice for parents would be to, first of all, be be a true parent, not just monetarily be be there in their time and investment into their kid, but also don't blindly believe them uh, when they mm-hmm. tell you things. Uh, be a skeptic. You, I know you, you want to say, "Well, I want my kid to trust me." Uh, people say, "You know, you know, my kid would never lie to me." Well. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, yeah. most kids are kids. If they feel like there's a pathway there to kind of get out of trouble, I did, you know, I had great parents, fortunately. I mean, my parents were, were awesome. I'm so fortunate. Uh, you know, they, we, we grew up in church, uh, had good uh, values, respect, et cetera. Uh, but at times, if I knew, my, you know, I was going to be in trouble for something I didn't take care of, didn't do whatever it might be, and I could kind of, Fudge the truth, mm-hmm. be deceptive. Did I do that? Yes, I did it. Not sure. proud of it, but yeah. I remember those things. Sure. And uh, and I loved my dad and respected him highly, but I also, you know, feared his discipline as far as, you know, and he didn't whip me a whole lot of times, but, you know, I, but I didn't want a bunch of that. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but that was part of the motivation for me making good decisions growing up too was that, uh, you know, I didn't want to disappoint my parents because I respected them and uh, I, you know, there would be some type of discipline coming because they were, you know, and we, they expected me to go to school and behave, you know, and do and be respectful. Yeah. And that's what we did yeah. in general. But uh, I would advise parents though, you know, if you have an issue with a coach or uh, at school now, if, a, if there's a problem with the coach or something, first the kid, this player needs to go talk to the coach first. Mm and try to have some discussion. They Because kids have to learn to deal with yes. adult situations. 100%. They, and, a and big part of life is learning how it, to deal with conflict yeah, in a healthy way. Because I've seen situations where parents were always a helicopter parent or whatever, oh, yeah. and then the kid's 32 years old, and they're Don't still to yep. trying to deal. They can't deal with life. And, yes. and they have no social skills or whatever. So I you know, I advise them. You know, but a parent, if it's a school issue, call you know, and talk to the administrator and say, Johnny, I got a dismiss slip on him here, or he t- says this happened. Can you shed some light on that for me? Mm-hmm. Can, t- can you tell me what happened? I just don't, you know, I know what he's told me. Yeah, you start with a question. Yeah, Let but, me hear your, don't, yeah. You know, but if you start in with, you said this and he said that, and that boy, you know, and they want, 
and you, you're a parent and you weren't there, you don't know. Because often yeah. the truth may be somewhere in the middle, but it may your son may be totally guilty. And then here you're going to have egg on your face or whatever sure. after it's all over. So just be cautious, be smart, just kind of be a little bit uh, sensible about how you approach your kids. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying everything should be punishment and negative, but, you know, those are learning opportunities for you as a parent. And that's the way you need to look at it a lot of times. Okay, here's the situation. Uh, and you talk to your kid about, okay, here's, here's some good life experience for you. Uh, you trusted your friend, your friend got you in trouble or whatever the case may be. You know, evaluate if that, if that person is a true friend. You know, there are lot, so many uh, learning opportunities and teaching moments, I guess you call them, yeah. uh, that you have. But if you don't take advantage of them as a parent, you'll, you're going to regret it. Yeah. How do you think that um, since you you were in education for so long, uh, you were coaching and teaching in the administration, how does – how did – your approach, or even today, if you're talking to someone who's listening to this and they're a teacher, how do we approach kids today? Is it differently than how we had to approach them when you first came in? Yes, uh, to some degree. There's, well, well, this is a deep subject here. Cause, uh, when I first started education and things like that, there was there weren't mental health counselors in schools. Ah, I never thought there about was, that. There was, you know, that was unheard of. And when it first started... Uh, I'm not sure when, uh, you know, early 2000s or whatever. And I'm like, you know, this is not our, our job is to educate them. You know, that was, my, I, I evolved in my mindset from, you know, our job is to teach them, educate them. And it's every, you know, it, everything else above that is, is the parent's job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we have a preponderance of dysfunctional families in society today. I know you, you're aware of that in the, it's being in, Mm-hmm. And uh, the church business, mm-hmm. uh, you see a lot of that. Well, and I worked at Arkansas yeah. Counseling yeah. for a few years. <clears throat> That's yeah. right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. And uh, so you've seen all that. And, and it's a lot higher degree than a lot of people realize. It's not. People think back to school and things back, you know, like people like me that are old. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 63. and But people that are, I dare say, 45 and older or whatever, 50 and older, when you start looking at things, they're looking at it like what they grew up, but it's not like that anymore. We have a lot of more, uh, a lot more uh, per higher percentage of people, kids who, like I said, have grown up in a dysfunctional home and they've been traumatized by different events mm-hmm. in their life and they need more help from society. And of course, we have mm-hmm. a lot of single parent homes and a lot yeah. of grandparents raising kids. And so more help is needed. Because yeah. because I, I came to end up with the mindset of, well, if we don't help their mental health yes. uh, in school, uh, nobody else is. We, we've got to get those counselors in school. So ended up, we had, in my last seven years, I ran the, the uh, RAM Academy. Uh, I was principal at RAM Academy for Paragoids, which is our alternative school for at-risk at kids, kids who are, have things going on in their life that are maybe going to prevent them from graduating from from functioning well at school and doing what they need to do. And we tried it. We would get in there helping them help them in a lot of facets of their life. But the mental health counseling was a requirement yes. at that school. And uh, Is there a theme <clears throat> that you saw in some of these kids who were in the alternative school? Like what I mean by that is like 
is there anything one thing that you could point to and say like here's something that many of them had in common or yeah, the, they had trauma in their life they they've uh, uh, you know those situations where they, they don't know where they're going their next meal may be at times uh, they uh, may live at five or six different places during the school year uh, moving around to different family members broken homes uh, you know they may have uh, one parent, one or more parent, in, in uh, been in jail or is in jail. Uh, just a lot of broken home situations, uh, drug abuse in their family. Uh, you know, just a lot of. I've had kids come in who've been up all night because there was uh, big fights at their house, uh, parties, etc. You know, they've come in uh, with you know been asleep for one hour. Uh, Nothing, you know, nothing like I ever experienced. I yeah, went yeah. to bed every night, basically pretty early. I knew where my next meal was always going to come from. I knew who was picking me up from school. If, if I wasn't riding the bus, I, yeah. I knew, you know, there was nothing, uh, you know, that I had to worry about as a kid, that a lot of these kids are in survival mode. Yes. And it's not the same for, for you know, as, as in ho- and we still have a lot of kids that, that their parents are, t- I'm not trying to say that they're all like that, but, but there, we do also have those who are uh, struggling and yeah. uh, they're in, like I said, their whole mindset is about today. It's yeah. not about doing Oh this, yeah. They're doing, not thinking it's in the future. About doing this homework and, Absolutely. and doing this they're trying project to survive. and doing that. They're like, okay, I, I hope uh, I'm going to have some supper tonight and stuff, you know, cause it's, people have told stories before. There's some kids who don't want to be out for the holidays, who don't want to be out on breaks because they that. know that at school they're getting breakfast and lunch every day. And then we have backpack program. We send extra food with them. And our, and teachers are great. Our, the people don't, teachers don't get enough credit. They're mm-hmm. in the trenches every day. Our teachers in Greene County do a great job of knowing their kids knowing which kids need some extra food. Hey, well, let's get some things out of the food pantry or whatever you have at your school. Let's send them home because Johnny, I know he's hungry uh, all the time, et cetera. He, they need shoes. They need clothes. We, you know, schools, people, a lot of people don't realize how much we provide for those kids who are in need. And, you know, it breaks your heart that they're coming to school with shoes that are falling off their feet and those type of things. And, it, and it's not that kid's fault. That's what you, you have to remember. It's not those kids' fault. Yeah. And, uh, you know, shame on some of the people that are in charge of them that uh, are not taking care of their needs. I'm glad you brought that up about just the trauma, the pain that they're experiencing. You know, there's a saying that hurt people hurt people, you know, and I think that yeah. um, it's so, you know, it's so easy. It, it's, goes back to the armchair quarterback thing, right? Like, it's so much easier for me to sit back and, like, point a finger at you and, and talk bad about this kid or that girl, that boy, whatever, and how they're such a problem child and blah, 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 blah. It's so much easier to do that than to actually get into their lives and listen to them and learn about what's going on and, and why they're functioning the way they're functioning and then actually doing something about it to try to help love and care for them. And I think, like, you know, if there's anything, one of the big things, the reason I started this podcast, one of the things I hope comes from this is the importance of listening to other people. And so because when you listen to people, right, you get a chance to love people. And these, none of these kids that are in alternative school, my guess is they did not set out to get, to get there. Right. And these and these parents that are end up being in jail or end up going through nobody set out to be like I want to be an addict or I want to be 
but you talk to you know our jail administrator and they'll tell you a lot of the people that you have there are like multi-generational you know yeah, like it's sure. like there's been times like they'll come in here and tell us like oh we have grandfather you know grandpa dad sure. and son yeah. all here right now right it's it is it's uh, generational and uh, you know we at kenny hall was on your program yep. a, a while back and kenny at where he was at our SOO, SRO at the uh, alternative school for several years, excuse me, uh, for several years. And, you know, Kenny and I had a great working relationship. You know, Kenny uh, grew up in some, uh, some, had a, a little tougher time growing up and yeah. uh, was uh, very uh, transient and they moved to a lot of places, yes. with a lot of schools. And so that was a great resource there because Kenny had lived that life with those kids of not as much stability and he had a big heart for those kids. And then, you know, had a great staff over there that, they were, we were fortunate to, as a team, we were able to learn about our kids. You know, this teacher would find out this information that we, and we were small enough that we could share that information very easily and to meet the needs of those kids. Uh, but, uh, you know, SROs are a big asset to the districts also yeah, yeah, now that's too. Good. That's a new addition that yes. we haven't talked about that, um, you know, to help our schools be safer, first of all, of course, you know, that's, that's an obvious, but, but those SROs, uh, can you know get to know those kids too and and because when you know a kid you know their needs if you know that hey uh, mom got arrested last night and you're going to deal with that kid differently that day because you know their 100%. mindset you know hey uh, you're going to ha- you know have a different approach with them when you can be a little more kid. compassionate sure you bet you are and uh, those but the sros uh, are, are a great asset to all the schools and uh, it really helped us a lot well, I want to jump back into to coaching for a second um, because that's how I knew you for so long. And I just want to say, like, there are, there are a handful of, <clears throat> excuse me, coaches that I can think of, and I've watched sports my whole life, that I genuinely enjoyed watching coach. And you were one of them. I really, truly, I loved watching you coach. Um, you had so much passion and energy. You seemed to know what you were talking about. You seemed to connect with the kids. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you think those who were coached by you, like, what what well, kind of coach would they say that you I, were, you, you think? Know, I could be animated and loud. I love that. And, stomp. And, I, can, and, I can still remember the stomp, man. Well, I, that's you beat me to it. I, <laughs> yeah, I still get that a lot today, and, and but – I could, but I couldn't whistle. You really, know, I didn't yeah, know that. I couldn't, you know, you, you know, I just can't whistle. Like I can do the little regular little bird whistle. That ain't gonna whatever. help. Enough. But you know, some coaches could whistle loud and or maybe their voice. But as you can tell through this interview, my voice yeah. is gravelly, and I can get loud. But it's it, a great it, voice, but, by the way. Uh, <laughs> It'd be a great broadcaster uh, voice. It's almost it's like a Bill Clinton uh, smooth man. Oh, 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 Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that wasn't hey, the best. This interview's over. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I, I was, I was intense and, and, and a, to a fault at times, I know. And I look back, you know, uh, I, I loved my kids that I coached. I yeah, invested you, in I them. I can tell you did. And, uh, we did a lot, tried to do a lot of fun things at times. We had, we'd have bunking parties back in those days. I remember and all the girls that I went to school with loved you. Like they, there was not, I don't remember any of them ever saying a bad thing yeah, about you. I'm sure at times they, they could and probably should have, if I was so hard on them. But, uh, we try, I tried to make sure, you know, to get them to work really hard. And I was very fortunate. I had a lot of great kids who mm-hmm. I didn't have to stay after a lot to work hard. They were good kids. We had, had developed some tradition in the program and uh, we're fortunate enough to, you know, 
be have some accomplishments, you know, district championships and things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, just you develop that connection with those kids. And I think once they learn that you have their best interest at heart, you know, but you have to, you know, kids aren't, aren't stupid. They figure you out as a person. Uh, and I was also very fortunate to have, uh, for a long time, have Bill Shatsley as oh, yeah. my assistant. And, you know, you won't find a better person I forgot than Bill that he Shatsley. was one of your assistants. Oh, for seven years. You're talking about a great situation. He's kind of the yin to your yang, I'm guessing, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, right. He, he would keep me calm and things when <laughs> I needed to. You know, there'd be a lot of times that we'd start to go in at halftime and I was upset <laughs> about something. And he'd say, Coach, got to tell them good stuff. You got to tell them good stuff, coach. You kind of want to so, tell them good yeah, stuff. I'm like, well, I know, but well, why can't they block out and rebound, or why can't they? What do they do? You know, is that the said, fr- is that the stuff that would frustrate you the most? Was things that y'all had covered so many times, and just sure. the fundamentals of like blocking out. Like, sure, just well, as a coach, it's your job to teach what you expect out there, whether it's defensively or offensively. What you, what you don't want to be is that coach who's hasn't taught them things and Mm -hmm. practice and but you expect it in the game yes that's not fair and uh, so i see some coaches uh that are uh you know they're intense with their kids and but i've also watched their practices and i know that they worked on this because they you know they and i was there the other day and they worked on this and then they get out there and then they're not doing it i understand why the coach is upset you know and that's the part a lot of times that people don't see or don't understand about coaching, you know. The, or we went over this in the scouting report. When they run this inbounds play, they're going to try to get a layup right here. Yeah. And then and this one player's job, your your only job is to stop that layup. You're guarding the inbounder. You get under the net, under the go, and that's your job. And then they don't get under the net. They are in la-la land, and they, they throw it in for a layup. Well, you, you know, justifiably upset with yeah, that. yeah kid you know and Absolutely. they probably need to come over there and talk with you a little bit but, uh, <laughs> so, so that's the little things that people don't understand you you, know? you've been you've been teed up i'm guessing a few times in your life uh, f- only four or five only four or five yeah i, I never got me did you i was animated but the referee told me hey that's enough or hey you know I, so most of the time you on. knew then like here's my boundary sure sure and a lot of times it was that i was expressing it with my kids now i'd get on i'd yeah. bust with a referee some or like that's a foul you know whatever. But, <laughs> but, she's all over a ref yeah. but i think what helped me too a little bit is uh, when the game was over it was over and uh I, you know i see these guys and i have a lot of respect for them for what they do I'm good friends with a lot of uh, the referees. You know, even to today, till today, I'm still good friends with them. Uh, when you said it was over, what about the losses? I'm interested in hearing that because you you obviously won a lot, but you lost as well. Sure. How uh, was that? Were you able to turn that off or that eat at you? Fortunately for me, I mean, it, now don't get me wrong, I'm competitive. Sure. I don't care what we're playing. It's check. I'm, I want to win, and and we we uh, my wife and I both are very competitive. And she's competitive too. Wins. Oh yes, and uh, she, you know, we want to do well at whatever we're yeah. doing, and uh, uh, so and we instill that in the girls. Yeah, you know, and like growing up, we, I play two on one against them. I never let them win. They they beat I, you when they got I, older. I well, I never let them win until they could, and finally when they got old enough to you know to yeah. beat me, you know well. And plus, some of that might have had to do with age too. But <laughs> we'll say that. But no. Uh, but you know, I'm thinking you, you you've got to. If, hey, if you want to beat me, get better. You know, yeah, one of those absolutely. And, and so, uh, 
I like that. Very competitive, but I got off track here. Where were you? No, well, we were talking about not crossing the line oh, with the refs oh, and like also then the losses oh, we talked about. Yeah, I mean, you hate it and you second guess yourself. Why didn't I? And, and in coaching, here, here's one thing about coaching too. And I've talked with other coaches about this a lot over the years. You know, you run this offense, you run that, and you're kind of like shot in the dark. You know, okay, well, I die. and then you think, well, this offense won't work. I won't run. Finally, you get down to the game, you're like, well, let's try it, and it works great. And you're like, what? You know, you just it doesn't make sense, or you forget to run something. You know, so uh, it's it's a little bit of guesswork about. Well, I could, we came out, we were going to play them zone, and because we thought they couldn't shoot very well, well, they hit their first seven shots. You know, mm. and then so now you're down and changes the whole complexion of the game. There's a lot of little things like that. And uh, tell me this: what uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot with your memory. You may not want to do this because you're you said earlier you're afraid you're gonna forget someone's name. Yeah. You look back at your coaching career. Um, who are some of the names that stick out to you as far as players that wow. were some of the more gifted oh, ones that came wow. through? That's hard. Because you're going to forget some, right? Yeah. That's the fear. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you know, you're so, not going to name them all, so but who's years, the first ones but, that come to mind? Not no, naming well, them all. Well, the, you know, uh, Brooke Shelby. Uh, yeah, Brooke was, was a year older than me. Yeah, was, she went played at Arkansas State. She played right? at Arkansas State, and but the thing about Brooke, uh, never had a bad practice. Oh, she practiced hard. Uh, never, you know, she was a great kid. Uh, loved everybody. Uh, that was one of your best things. Get, get sentimental when I talk about the kids, coach. But uh, yeah. uh, Brooke was homecoming queen. Yes. She, yep. you know, because she was nice to everybody. And so that's the part that you see in a kid. Not only was she good at basketball. She's she, great. She was good at life. And yep. she was a great person. Uh, then, uh, you know, of course, we had – that's class that won the state championship. They're always going to be a little special, you know, because, yeah. you know, that was uh, such a blessing to get to be a part of that. Uh, but, you know, you have Mandy Cox and, and Jenna uh, Weeks, uh, Jamie Freeman, all that bunch, yep. uh, Daniel Williams, Amy Gaston, et cetera, uh, Gretchen Ford. Uh, those kids uh, were the, you know, starters and stuff in that bunch I had – Mainly had six starters in that a bunch, and uh, yeah. What are some of your they, best memories they, from that? And uh, just that, uh, you know, that bunch of great kids who worked hard for me, and and we uh, loved each other. I thought, you know, at least yeah. I, I felt we did. Uh, <clears throat> had had a bunch of good. Was so fortunate just to have a bunch of good players. Uh, yeah, you know, Brandy Getson yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, Lewis, uh, Ernest's yeah. wife. Uh, she Randy was there Ernst. with Libby. Uh, yeah, 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 with yeah. Libby and those bunches. They were competitive and stuff. And they, uh, you know, Aaron Collier, Sarah Meyer. Uh, man, you just had a Yeah, that, that, was, that was my super, era you're super, talking yeah, about. They were super, so good. So good. And Y'all I, dominated. That was, that was one of my biggest disappointments as a coach that we didn't, didn't win, win state. state with that bunch. Uh, yeah, uh, how far, we, how deep did y'all go in the playoffs well, with Brooke when Brooke was a senior? Well, we went her their junior year we, when we had Shayla Henson, Brandy Gray, and all them still oh, yeah, there that year. Yeah. Uh, Whitney Heath was that, that y'all's best team when that, Brooke of that was a bunch, junior. When Brooke was a junior, yeah, we Siloam Springs had a dynamic team. India Lewis, who played for the Lady Razorbacks for four okay. years, was a great player. Uh, she and her sister, uh, they beat us in the semifinals and. Uh, uh, they, and they were the best team. They yeah. were really great. I mean, you know, India was head and shoulders. She was the best athlete in the state. Yeah. And they had a good uh, another guard that played uh, 
Division One at U, uh, guard at UCA. Oh wow! The Frace girl. So and then Brandy, uh, the Brandy uh, Lewis girl, she played at John Brown. So jeez, uh, they, they just could really fill it up. And uh, we had a but we had a great team that year. And the next year, I thought we had a chance, and we lost to Cersei in overtime. Uh, got a controversial call towards the end. One of those deals, you yeah. know that. Uh, what were the uh, moments? What were the so, moments that made you like when you reflect now back in your teaching or even your coaching career? What what moments bring you the most joy? Like, is it the wins? Is it the state championship, or is it something different than that? No, the uh, it's just about the the relationships with the kids, the coaches, all that. You you know, the, being in the gym together, traveling together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the relationships that you build, that you hope you have a positive impact on the kids, uh, even kids that uh, didn't. The relationship at the time was not the best. I've been able to, to a few of them come back and reconnect. That's great. And we look at it like, yeah, well, you know, we just, uh, yeah. both of us probably had a little fault in that or, yeah. you know, things that didn't work out. And, uh, you know, um, let them know I'm interested in their life and what they've got going now with their family, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, the relationship is so important. You know, I think no. it's like, it's so, I, I'm sure you were ecstatic when you won the state championship, but it's like, yeah, those, those trophies eventually collect dust, right? Eventually like nobody knows about anybody uh, on that team. They sure. move on. They forget who even won it that year. And, you know, but those relationships are yeah, what we remember. Right. right. And, you know, the losing is, is a lot tougher. Uh, I, old Janet Wood uh, was coach at Mountain Home for many, many years. Great coach. And she had, been in state finals several times and lost some and won some. And she said, um, made a statement that left it stuck with me. And she said, winning, um, losing hurts worse than winning feels good. And it makes a lot of sense because that losing kind of sticks with you. You know, when mm-hmm. you, once you've won, you're like, yeah, we won. But every day I don't get up thinking, hey, we won. But that memories of that loss seem to haunt you a little more. You know, it's kind of like, oh, man, why didn't we do this? Yes. Or what if we just hit that shot? Or what are we to, you yep. know, whatever. I made better decisions. And yep. so, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a, uh, you know, but like I said, it, you know, it's a great, coaching is a great experience because it is, you know, just like a, a band director, a agri sponsor, a FFA sponsor, those type of things. You get those kids that you're around every day, you have a connection with them. And the opportunity to hopefully influence them, you know, and, you know, in school business, in public schools, you know, we can't be religious, you know, and stuff, but you still can try to mm-hmm. set some things out there. Sure. Uh, golden rule things, uh, throw a scripture in maybe here or there or do things to influence kids. Cause you know, um, my Christianity is, is important part of my life. And, uh, and I tried to influence those kids about doing right, making good decisions, uh, you know, uh, still, some of them still talk about those things. And I talk about boys, you know, I'd, I'd, say, oh, yeah. I'd say, hey, now those guys, you got time for those guys later on now. They, you know, they'll, you know. You'd say they, stay they, away from those guys like Elmore and pick me. And- <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But I just say, you know, don't get so in love that you, because uh, the girls, yeah. they, if they, they're in love or having love problems, it affects their basketball. Oh, and, yeah. Or so I've had some that quit playing. 
because they were in love. One girl, I wow. still give her a hard time about it. Uh, and she knows, hey, I yes, I should have kept playing, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. uh, won't call any names on this, <laughs> but, that. But, but she and I have a great relationship. But, you know, she knows that, you know, she made the wrong decision. Yeah. Because she was in love. Sure. Where most guys, if they're in love, they're still going to go out and hoop. Oh, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. Gonna, they're going to yep. take or baseball or whatever it yep. is. They're going to do it because, you know, men and women, we seem to be wired a little differently. Yeah. Did it's you ever want to coach boys? Oh, well, I did in football yeah. and stuff. And I, I'm harder on guys by, by nature. I just think because I knew yeah. how my, my, coaches, I, my coaches were with me back in the day in yeah. the 70s and stuff. You know, they they could, you know, whatever. We, we loved our coaches and we would run through a wall for them. But they could talk to us like a dog all the time. And that's just the way they motivated us back then. Yeah. And that's a lot of what I did early in my football coaching career was, you know, I'd chew on them and, you know, chew them out and all that. And it wasn't personal, you know, sure. it was more like I thought that's how I needed to motivate them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I, I just had more patience with girls because, you know, and it's a good thing that I, God gave me daughters instead of a son probably because I probably would have been too hard on them. Yeah. And that's one reason I decided to slide out of coaching when I did, is because I did not want to coach my daughters. Really? Because I that's knew, the reason why. Because I knew it would not be fair to them. Ah. They couldn't win. Well, your dad's a coach. That's why you're yeah, playing yeah. all this. And I knew I would have higher expectations of them. Because, And I even told them for years that when you get in high school, if I'm still coaching, you better be better, a lot better than the rest of those girls, or you're not going to start because you've had every opportunity to yeah. be better. Yeah. And so I think that helped motivate them. So that was a big reason better. why you rolled out at that point. But, you you yeah. wouldn't have to coach them. I felt like, you know, after a lot of games, they'd be mad at me. Oh, their, yeah. mom, their mom would be mad at me. Their <laughs> grandmother so would be mad at me. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and I knew it just was, you know, and, uh, and my job situation was kind of had changed. Yeah, for and sure. I, I, my last few years I was coaching. Uh, athletic director and assistant principal, and I was wow, you know, burning the candle on both ends. Uh, and so yeah. it, it had opportunity to step full time administration, step into that, yeah. and uh, and I knew it was best. Well, um, I'm so glad that I got a chance to watch you coach. Like I said, and, and I, and I really we didn't interact a whole lot, obviously, because you know just. For whatever I wasn't in sports as much. I mean, I did the broadcasting. I broadcasted a lot of your games. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, but I, you know, I just um, even the interactions I had with you, I always thought you were also really funny. I remember thinking that, like, I felt like you were quick-witted. Uh, you were able to relate to the kids. Um, I'm trying to think. When So in 2001, how old, how old would you have been in 2001? How old would I have been? Yeah, well, do you remember that? I was yeah. 41 years old. Yeah, and so that's, you know, my age now. I'm about to be 41. And so it's like the fact that you were still able to be so relevant and, and connect with the kids, like, that just showed how much you care, you know. And, and that's not true of every single person, every single coach, every single administrator. So um, I truly mean that. I just want to say that to you because I never had an opportunity well, to let you know you. as someone who didn't even get a chance to interact with you but did interact some right. and then had others interacted more often. That was really, I feel like, everyone's kind of overall feel and the way they experienced you. Right. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I always tried to have a good time wherever I was. At. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's just me. I, I like people. And the, when I was administrator in the hallways, I joke, try to get to know kids, joke with them. I try to remember their name. I'm a, I, I try to be really good at remembering names. But, you know, when you've had 10,000 kids, it's, you know, get a little difficult. I see people in Walmart and I can remember their names a lot of times, but not always. But uh, I, I always felt like as an administrator, if I could build some connection with a kid, you know, especially a kid that might not have the best behavior or best outlook on school, that maybe somehow I could that kid would be, be you know, like coming to school a little better, more, uh, do a little better, stay out of the office because they yeah. didn't want to disappoint me because I would had been yes. nice to them. 
uh, it makes situations. a big difference. And, you know, whether it's PE class, joking around, yep. uh, you know, just uh, little things like that, you know, you you make life what it is, you know, and uh, you, you kind of have that attitude with how you're going to approach it, you know, it's a big thing. Yeah. And uh, I always liked going to work. Uh, fortunately, I, I picked you a job tell. that I enjoyed, yeah. you know, yep. like they say, if you pick a job, you enjoy, you never, never work, work a day in your life, life all yep. those type of things. And, it's very true. Uh, and I try to always have the, uh, I'm a, quote a big motivational quote guy and things like that i like to you know those things uh one one of my favorite ones is uh the only uh, easy day was yesterday mm. and i heard clint black clint black the country singer say that that that's about what his dad used to tell him and his brother uh every day because mm. uh, basically if you're waking up today expecting today to be easy you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment 100 percent. you know just expect today to be tough and yeah. then if it works out you know to not be that tough and you're yeah. okay yeah and there's so. a book uh, i want to say it's called the road less traveled and um, the author says in there that uh ease is the exception to the rule mm-hmm. and sure. hard is is normal and what is the duke's uh can you look at the duke women's basketball coach i can't remember oh. her do you know what i'm talking about do hard better do hard, do hard better. better yeah yeah isn't oh, that yeah. great man yeah. she's uh she's awesome she says a lot of great things uh, yeah her there's a uh, a lot of good, you know, coaches that are good about uh, those type of things. They they've got, of course, they write books and make a lot of money too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here's an easy question for you: uh, <laughs> Is Doc Painter Jim? Uh, is that was that one of your favorite places to coach? Oh, like yeah. to me, when I, I've I've gone to a lot of different high school games, like and again, my my whole family's at Tech now, uh, mm-hmm. and I appreciate Tech. But like the gyms, like the, the high school gym at Tech now. Which I know is way nicer, way nicer. But as far as like for me, I would rather watch a game in the Paragold Gym versus Tech Gym. I love the intimacy of it. Would you yeah. say the same is true for you, or did you? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a very unique gym. Uh, apparently, sometime in the early '60s, late '50s, early '60s, some company was promoting that type of mm-hmm. Quonset Hut style, you know, the rounded top, oh, uh, yeah. barrack style, because uh, Cersei's Cersei, Cersei's gym, yeah, that's like right, is just like that. But they built a new arena in the last year. Okay, uh, went to Bardsville, Kentucky, one time on a school trip. Uh, long story, their gym is exactly like that, except, except a little that's bigger. Cool, and Cersei's man. was a little bigger. I too, hope so. we're able to keep but, that. But that keeps the sound in. Yeah, you know, uh, and uh, it's just a. But we're you know, eventually we're going to have to build a new arena. But I, I think. Uh, it, I'm on the Paragol School Board now. You know, I didn't and know that. That's something we talk about. Yes, I got appointed to take April Biggs' okay. uh, spot when she passed away last summer, wow. uh, and uh, and it was felt honored to to take her Absolutely. position. And because I April was a manager for me in basketball. That's so, right, man. Uh, I forgot you know, about that. Yes, she, she, she was with Brooke Shelby and, yes. and Sarah Meyer yeah, and yeah. Aaron Collier and Lacey Forsyth, yes. all that bunch. Yep, and. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, it's something we were talking about. You know, it's on our future projects, of course, you know, and uh, building projects. And uh, and I feel confident, you know, I'm just one person, but I feel confident that we'll build something that maintains some atmosphere, as much atmosphere That'd be as great. possible. But, but, you know, what people don't understand is uh, that Doc Painter, the, the, like what it has, has that's great is atmosphere. Uh, yes. But that's the only thing that it has. Is, you know, the, the yeah. concession area, the I bathrooms, know. the locker rooms, bad. the coaches' offices, all that are tiny. 
1962 when that building was built, uh, there's about one electric outlet every <laughs> 500 square feet, you know, because you didn't need to plug uh, anything yeah. in back then. They were I playing mean, they were, by candlelight. Yeah, the, you know, you had manual typewriters and, you, you know, it was just, uh, you know, uh, it's so inadequate for what our kids need our coaches need yeah. and our fans just really. so many great yeah. memories in oh, there and yeah. so many yeah i love especially love for it. someone like you but uh, i feel like though you know uh it, it'll be a situation um where we'll have well perigo school district has not had a millage or tax increase of any kind uh for over 20 years and uh the way schools can raise money is through restructuring bonds basically to you know those bonds can go out and be sold and uh when we get ready to have some future building projects we'll, we'll ask that the voters approve vote yes that we can restructure our bonds and so it won't raise taxes and, mm. and it's not a millage but that's how basically tech just did that uh two years ago they, they try to pass a millage a couple of different times. It never would pass because that's just the mood of taxpayers now, and I understand that totally. But they did come back then and ask them to restructure, if they could restructure their bonds, and which basically gives them the ability to go out and sell bonds over a longer period of time. And I feel like that's what we'll probably do to raise the money. We need, we, you know, we've been putting back money also and been prudent with taxpayer money. Uh, but we have some more fit, We've, and we've added a lot of academic facilities, and everything we've built over the last 20 years or so has has not been uh, through raising a millage or anything like that. It's been with the money that the taxpayers mm-hmm. Have, mm-hmm. have given us, and we've tried to be smart with that. But when you're, you know, like uh, Doc Painter Court, that gym is 61 years old. It's, you know, uh, you know it's almost as old as I am. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, it's just inadequate. Uh, and our kids deserve better. And, yeah. uh, you know, Tech's built two new arenas in the, in the time that we... I'm that old guy now that yeah. I'm like, uh, just leave it there, yeah. don't change anything. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, and a lot of, I mean, so many schools around the area have built uh, new uh, activity centers, gyms, arenas, whatever you want to call them, you know, because, you know, we have volleyball now. So volleyball's a great sport, big sport that we have. Uh, and... Uh, you know, so and then there's a lot of events that you have in those type of, of things. You know, choir concerts, etc. Uh, that uh, would, a new a new place would provide. A, a well, great if someone like you stuff. sees the need for change, then I'm on board for it. Because right. you, if anybody should be in love with that gym, it should be you. So if you see the need for it, yeah, we probably need it. A couple of questions, and I'll be moving to rapid fire okay. uh, questions. One is, what have you learned about when you look back on your career? What have you learned about uh, just people or life in general what's like a big big lesson wow. you take you would take away from your time well um uh, leadership which is coaching teaching administration a lot of things uh church you know carries over to church it, it, leadership's about uh, you know build building relationships with other people intertwined with trust and respect. If, if you can connect, build relationship with those people and, and they see through your actions, your words, and your life that they can trust you and they respect you, 
they're probably going to work hard for you. Uh, they're going to, you know, develop that loyalty to you, you know, because what I, what I found a lot over the last 15 or 20 years, it seems like especially, there's a lot of people that are big on respect. That's a big word out there with teenagers and stuff now. They're, they're big on getting respect, but they're not always big on giving it. And, you know, they, they don't understand that that's a two-way street. It's kind of like, if you give it to me first, then I will, you know. Well, you know, do the, you know, do the Christian thing, do the right thing, or whatever, how you want to label that. Yeah. And, and uh, do great things, do good things, because that's the right thing to do, you know. Yeah, and that might be the answer to my second question I was going to ask you is if, you know, assuming that uh, someone's listening to this and they're in coaching or they're, they're in education, because I, I sometimes think about who we have on here, then who, what kind of person is going to click on this? It's probably you're going to get even more educators or coaches uh, than what would normally maybe tune in. Is there anything other than that, which you just said, that you would encourage them with, those who are in coaching and education right now? Find you a great mentor. Don't be afraid to ask. Uh, co- if you're interested in coaching, Find some high school coach or whatever that you, you know, that you respect, that, that does a good job. Ask them if you can come watch their practices. You know, like if you're in college or high school or whatever you're, like a lot of kids that are in college, and I know time is a factor, but, you know, most coaches be like, sure, come help mm-hmm. us. You can, be an, you can be kind of a student assistant coach mm-hmm. or you can do that. They'd love the extra help. Mm-hmm. Come. But, see, a lot of times people won't ask. They won't, yep. you know. Uh, I, you know, I wish I had known that was a could could do that because I was green as could be when I got out of college, you know, because I'd not been helping with a program, and I see see that every once in a while now. Not just when you're a student teacher either. Not you know, don't do that. Do try to do it ahead of time. Like Jake Tillery, uh, he's he's helping coach uh, at director coaching the Pee Wee program mm-hmm. now, fifth and sixth grade. Him and a couple other guy, Lane Stucks and. One I was helping too, and those guys they're getting. And I think I know Jake is wants to be a coach. His his dad was a coach, and uh, so he's getting in early and getting that experience. And uh, you know that. In same way with teachers, peer mentoring is you know go during your free period. During, you know go during. I know like I said, I know time is at the essence for everybody. Go watch those teachers. Go to your principal. Say, I want to go next week and uh, during my free period or conference, not free period, but yeah. it's your planning period. <laughs> uh, say the right, use the right terminology, and uh, go sit in their classroom. That's hey, great. Hey, you want to learn? Yeah. Hey, I always tell teachers, you want to learn how to handle kids? Yeah. Go sit in Bill Shatzley's classroom. Yes, he never has discipline problems. Yeah, because he's calm. The kids know he sets the tone. He, he, every day is the same. You know they, uh, they is pred- he's predictable. He knows, and then if he has a little problem, he's going to take you outside, talk to you, say, you know, hey, I expect better, treat you respectfully. When they go back in, you know, you need to learn that. You know, how, there's techniques that you can learn as a teacher, as a coach, all those things that. But you do that peer mentor. You can learn out of a book all day long. Yeah, and like you know, a lot of times, and teachers always say, you know, I they didn't really teach me how to teach in college. You know, yes. I had to learn this in my hall. It's the same way. Yeah, with people so in the hallway. Things. Yeah. So yeah. many things. And uh, so don't be afraid to uh, step out there and 
uh, ask for help, basically. Great advice. Great advice. Well, with that, let's move into some rapid-fire questions. Um, And we're going to start right here with what is either your last show or last movie or last book that you read. If you're, if you're not into watching shows and movies, what's the last book you read? Yeah, so I don't watch list. a lot of movies, but uh, I've been reading uh, uh, Jeff Per. I think it's Perlman, uh, the book on the Bo Jackson, the myth and legend mm. or whatever that, uh, the last or last American. I can't remember the title of it really. Is it a good book? Uh, it, it's pretty good. It, it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, you I know, watched Bo Jackson's 30 for 30, which I thought was yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, Bo, that's the reason I'm reading it, because I lived through that, you know, and Bo, it, incredible, unbelievable. And, and I wanted to read some more of the stories from, like, him in high school and the things he did yeah. that were just, you just, uh, you know. What do you uh, think about primetime? Uh, he <laughs> is a little bit too much of a self-promoter. <laughs> he he, he backs up a lot of things he says, He and he does say a lot of good things, too, about life and yeah, does, yeah. things, but he just he's just too extra yeah, on yeah. a lot of things. It's, yeah, it's yeah. my thing, you know, it's my thing. I wish... He, he would just, it's just like the same way I feel about Donald Trump. If yeah. He would just not be so extra, know. you know. Yeah, he's yeah. got a lot of great ideas uh, for the America, yeah. for America, all those things, but I'm like. And then he'll follow it up with yeah, just some just, stupid yeah, comment. just tone it down a little bit. Don't, don't, make, <laughs> yeah. it, don't make it all about yeah, man. you or your. And you know those guys have people in their ears telling them that, man, but when but you have that personality, know. yeah, Dion, or like they're just going to say what they want to say. Right, they're going to, you just, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I, of course, it's sports. I, a lot of my stuff has always been connected with sports and uh, stuff. But, uh, so I've read, I've been reading that. Uh, Do you have uh, a sports uh, memoir uh, or, or book that you've read that uh, jumps out to you? Because I'm always looking well, for a good read on the yeah, sports. Anything by uh, Don Meyer, uh, M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, he, Don Meyer was a longtime coach at David Lipscomb in Nashville, Tennessee. And then he uh, left there and went to Northern State in South Dakota. Uh he he was basically my guru uh, as far as basketball philosophy. Uh, philosophies about life. Okay. Uh, philosophies about basketball. Uh, he had free clinics at Nashville. We'd go to. Uh, I could go on and on. My kids could tell you a lot of Don Meyer lines, Don Meyer quotes. Uh, he's there's a website website uh, coachmeyer dot com. I think is the website uh, where he, he's passed away several years ago. Uh, one of the all-time winningest coaches, college basketball, uh, et cetera. He, he always coached uh, Division two level. And uh, and the reason he did that, so he could do more things for his kid, wasn't his hands, kids, he wasn't tied. Mm. His hands weren't tied as much. He could do things for them. He provided his players reading materials, books, you know, NCAA, you know, they had all these strict rules then or forever. You couldn't do anything for the kids, mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. was stupid. Mm-hmm. But uh, – uh, he, Don Meyer, I'm check is, him out. Uh, he's got a lot of things on there for players, free handouts, pages. You go to link, click on the links, and he he he's got a lot of life lessons in there. A lot of things about life uh, in there, not just sports. You know, so I'm gonna go read his stuff and start a travel sports yeah. team and see if you'll be my assistant. Well, we can, <laughs> we can negotiate. Uh, what is your favorite band? Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet. Bob Seger. If there, if there's one song that I need to listen to by Bob Seger, what would it be? Turn the page. Turn the page by Bob Seger. Yeah, hey, Bob's good. Of course, I, you know, he was Bob first got got big in the mid '70s, and that's was my when I was in high yeah. school, and, and he's uh, 
got a lot of old people running around the country that still love him and go to you know he's yeah he's got a lot he's got a lot of good songs and he's like a lot of artists if you sit down and listen you know they you start you know you can weed them out like guys like luke combs that guy's got a lot of good songs mm. you know mm-hmm. uh he, he just does he has that knack and uh i've been listening to a lot of luke combs it seems like in the last a year that I'd, I'd never even listened to him. You know, my, mm-hmm. I could hear my kids, people say Luke Combs this, Luke Combs, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. new country guy. But I finally sat down and listened to some of his songs. He's pretty good. Right on. Uh, I like music. I'm a music person. I can't, can't sing a lick. It's everybody that, that's ever been around me for more than five minutes knows, but I love <laughs> music because, you know, music just relates to life so much. I agree 100%. I, I really, you know, it's, uh, Did you listen to music before games to get you pumped up? No, no. Coaches don't do that. Back then, we they'd had to have a. I would have had to have a boombox probably to, <laughs> back then, and they, I'm so old. But uh, but the kids probably did some. But I no. Nah, you know, I used to make the run out music for the boys team. You probably didn't know that, but just a little fun fact yeah. for you. It was one of the great highlights. Guy, huh? I was, oh yeah, that's all I ever was, man. Yeah, they never saw my. One. They never saw my one. skills. I know. I know. They never saw it. I mean, so, but whatever, you know, I have to go to play tennis, I guess. Um, what would be your last meal? What would your last meal consist of? My mother-in-law is, fortunately for me, I, I love food. I'm a foodie. I keep up with food. I travel for food. I'll do whatever. Okay, this is going to be great. Uh, but my mother-in-law is one of the best cooks ever, as a lot of people in town know. Uh, probably would be her homemade chicken strips. Really? Mashed potatoes, her, her green beans, uh, and a loaf of her homemade bread. Jeez, because that's a great sounds like a great meal. She had, has she, she taught you how to make any of that? No, I'm pretty inept in the kitchen, um, <laughs> some somewhat selectively. But uh, you know, she uh, I gotta wife, figure that out. My wife's out. a good cook too. Okay. She cooks like her mom. Um, but uh, over the years, you know, she is. Fed me a lot of super meals. I, I you know, uh, tell people that it's Thanksgiving at her house a couple of days a week. Jeez. You know. What would you, you didn't mention dessert. Are you a dessert guy? Oh, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't call much of anything, uh, you know. I, what I, would you she, do for your dessert? Like your, you just now mentioned your meal. What's the dessert going to be? She makes a mean coconut pie. Does it have the meringue I, on top? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I like, I'm a hot pie guy. Generally, I mean, I'll eat, like I said, I'll eat. Any of it. You're uh, the second person. Uh, Trey Stafford said coconut <coughs> pie, didn't he? Yeah, he did. My wife makes a great peanut butter pie too. So that sounds that's delicious. Close second there. You know, Just have both. It's your last yeah, meal. That's true. Yeah, it's your last meal. Um, <coughs> what is on your nightstand right now? Well, uh, well, my nightstand by my bed uh, is my CPAP machine. Three in a row. <laughs> Three CPAPers in a row. I, you know, uh, I got on CPAP about eight nine years ago, and it was life changing. Yeah, it, uh, it is. Not I crazy. was lethargic, uh, tired all the time, uh, just no energy, et cetera. And I didn't realize I was exhausted mm. all the time. I was, uh, all I wanted to do was sleep, but I was not getting quality sleep. So I advise anybody that's going through a situation where you're like, man, I'm exhausted all the time. It, you know, you have I'm, a sleep I'm study, sleep, but what you're never getting to that realm sleep, yes. sleep study because Constantly I didn't fit the mold. I wasn't, you know, traditionally, you know, you have a thick neck, same here. Et cetera. Yep. Well, yep. yeah, you're on CPAP. Yeah, man. You're Look at me, dude. Look at I me. I know. Yeah. I, sometimes I, I sleep with it. Sometimes I don't. Well, that's but not I, good. I know. You gotta I be know. tough. Do you, you have know? the full mask? A full mask. Sleep. I sleep. Well, what, what convinced me? The, the 
first night I wore it, I felt so great the next day that, that I'm like, Un, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I had so much energy. I felt it, it was life changing for yes. me. Yes, really most was. people so, say that. So I'm I'm borderline I'm to not, where like I've had some other doctors read mine and say that I'm just right there to where depending on which right. doctor I'd had to read it, some would have said you don't need it. And right. so like, well, yeah. but anybody who's been like pretty severe cases, like they've yeah. all said the same thing you said. It's like right. it changed their life. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, like I said, it, I, I, all of a sudden I had energy to. Do things I want to do because before it, the whole when I'd be at school or whatever at work, I was thinking, man, I've just got to go home and get in the recliner. I'm yeah. exhausted. Well, know? we're just starting to realize now all these all this science is coming out. Like even with athletes, you know, like LeBron James, all them, like they're saying now, like sleep is Big. the thing. Like sure. it's the thing. Like if you don't have good sleep, nothing else you do matters. And uh, and every hour before midnight is worth two after midnight. They say. See, I didn't and know I believe that. that too. Yeah, because what time do you go to it, bed? Uh, well, uh, I'm retired now, so it's, yeah. it's a little easier, but I'll go to bed at 10 generally. Yeah. Uh, Are I you like at, lights completely out, completely dark? No, because my wife's a TV watcher ah, and, yeah, yeah. and all that. And so, but I can, as she'll tell you, I can sleep through a thunderstorm or whatever. I, 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 once I get sleep, I'm good. So, uh, but, uh, so I'm not picky about how I yeah. sleep. It's just if I can get still. Uh, I'll go, go sleep. sleep. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sometimes before my head hits the pillow. Uh, I'm the same way. There's all this science out now, and you have to research this. So here was listening to this for whoever cares. Yeah. But like they say, like there's a a perfect temperature. Like I think 68 is a temperature. Like completely like lights out. It's like, too hot. Is it too hot? Too hot for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, right it needs now to be the cooler. You, yeah. 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 The cooler is better. But uh, the CPAP machine, and then just. Uh, uh, my pair of reading glasses always. I've got a million pair of reading glasses mm-hmm. around the house, of course. But then I have another nightstand over by my recliner in my room. That's where I keep, my, like, my books yeah. and things, you know. I've got uh, uh, moving for, uh, reaching forward is a daily devotional book I have that's okay. really good. It's uh, religious-based. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's it's a good for your daily mindset. Yeah. Uh, and then my uh, MacArthur Study Bible I have yeah. that I've got. Uh, there you go. I got it. Uh, yeah. United Gifts not too long ago. It's been a great. Yeah. It was a great it's a classic. Purchase. Yeah. Of course, I had to get the uh, bold print, large print, or whatever. That's there's no shame reason. in that. Yeah. No. No. Definitely not. Uh, and I'm probably uh, not too far behind you. But, uh, that's that's I guess okay. basically what's that's the nightstand. My nightstand there for reading. Yeah. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Just ordinary. Um, sitting down. Usually a, a couple of nights a week with my entire family, my Paragool family, uh, you know Joe and Reba Wessel, my in laws. My she will cook usually two nights a week. Yeah, that's great. And Chandler Mitchell, uh, Chandler yeah. Weber, Mitchell Weber. Got another and, coach in the family and, now. Yeah, yeah. Mitchell coaches at Brooklyn, and uh, uh, and then their kids, our grandkids, uh, Jennings and Davis. We all sit down for a family meal. Uh, and my mother-in-law, uh, Reba, has been intentional about that. For How her. long? Uh, the whole time I've been married to Jill. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, whatever nights work out, yep. uh, a lot of times that's Monday and Wednesday nights, but with yep. coaching schedules, it changes. But uh, And even years ago when uh, for the girls, my girls got old enough to start playing sports and things like that, we might three or four nights a week. And, and she would go to the – she's intentional about that, you know, that – it's a blessing she felt like, and we all feel like, you know, uh, that uh, special time that our family could sit down. It's beautiful. Together. And so, so I, I, I really, 
treasure that. It's very important. Very important. Uh, last question. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Mm. Well, uh, that, that I'm a Christian, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, Christianity is what sets the tone for life. For me, I, I, I feel like <clears throat> that's uh, the more our society could get back to uh, God, the better it would be. Uh, over my life, I've seen a lot of things the way our society has decayed, mm-hmm. and, and it's heartbreaking uh, that people don't understand uh, the peace of uh, God brings to you yeah. uh, and helps you uh, mentally, physically uh, deal with life. Is um, I think it's Philippians f- 4, 7. Uh, can, I can, you know... Um, it's a great verse uh, that uh, I never can I always misquote it. Uh, when I, uh, you know, I'm not a big you know memory guy and stuff. But it says, uh, "And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ." And so it's telling us there that if you're in the use of the verses before that, uh, if you're doing the things a faithful Christian should be doing, that. God, God, God's going to be there to help you in your, with your heart and your mind, Yeah, you know, and keep things together and keep things in perspective. Yes. And, uh, so, yeah, know, that's, that's the way, you know, I think uh, my, that's always helped me, uh, that it, it's going to be all right. You know, Jesus we, we, has already overcome Satan and, uh, this world may get crazy and stuff, but if I keep things in perspective of what's the main, keep the main thing, the main thing, as they say, you know, yep. Yep. then then it's all going because yep. I, a lot of that's out of my control. Yeah. But uh, you know, my attitude, at my attitude and effort towards being a, a, a Christian is is what's important. You yeah. know. It's awesome. Well, it's certainly, uh, I can't think of anything else better to be thankful for. And so thank you so much for making space to be here. I I mean this, um, like I was joking with you before about like, hey, this is a bucket list item right here, getting a chance to have you on. But it is, this was an interview that I absolutely, conversation that I was very much looking forward to because so many, I've been very blessed to grow up in this community and some of my best memories are my sophomore through senior year in that gym because that's where all my buddies were. Right. And I had a wonderful opportunity. Tony Brooks was the one that gave me the opportunity to to broadcast for those three years yeah. with Will Brewer and yeah. Jared Williams. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and so because those are some of the best moments in my life, you're in the, you're in the center of some of those because well, you were there and very that. much involved in it. And so it's just great to be able to sit down with you all these years later and, and get to know a little bit more about you and your heart and your perspective. And so really glad you made space to be here. Appreciate it. I've been very blessed. I mean, I can't say that enough. You know, my wife married a great lady. Sure. And uh, you know, family's huge. Uh, but so many people in, in Greene County have been good to me. Uh, I've, ha- I've had the opportunity to do a lot of great things. And and like I said, all that's a blessing, and, and it is Green, Green County is a great community, and uh, you know we just need everybody to be pitching in more and more. Uh, I understand that uh, it's it's hard, but uh, more and more is needed now. And, For sure. Uh, and so we are in a good place, and we've got to keep working to make it even better. I agree. That's a great place to end. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Jared.
That's Coach Gill. Man, that was a lot of fun for me. I don't know if you could tell from where you were sitting, but I could have you know, kept the conversation going for a long time. There's so many things I feel like we can learn from people like him who's been coaching or been in education for such a long time. And uh, I don't know, he just, when I spend time with him, I'm like, that's just a solid man. Like That's a, that's a guy that I want to spend more time with. I feel like there's a lot I can learn from him. So uh, Coach Gill, thanks so much for making space to be here. For those of you who are still listening, thanks for tuning in. Is this our last episode of 2023? So we have just completed three years. Can you believe that? So for three years, it's excellent. Um, hey, the reason we do this is because of you. Um, so if you can do something for us, go and give us a five-star rating on the platform you're listening on right now, whether it be Spotify or Apple. What that does is just help people to find us more quickly and learn about the really incredible people that are living right here in this city. So as always, thanks so much for listening. Happy New Year. Until next time.